0: Hey guys, guess what, today I finished a book, yeah, in one day, Uh, almost 400 page hardcover book. Yeah, the print was a bit on the larger side and the spacing was, you know, like, not tiny and it was a thriller so it read really fast plus it had really short chapters. And every chapter had ending had a, what do you call it? You know, like, a hook to it so that you will follow through into the next chapter to learn what happens next. So anyway, I'm making excuses for myself. But actually, I really do, uh, you know, like, deserve this, I don't know, what should I call it? Like, deserve this acclaim that I finished a book in a day after such a long time. That's that's the key word, such a long time. Like, it's been, I have been in this reading slum for so long, it's not even funny anymore. And, yeah, the book I read, it's called The Burning Girls by CJ Tudor. And I had read one book by her uh, last year, I think. The Chalkman and I really hated that book. Uh, But this book had really nice reviews and people were, you know, talking about it. And I liked the setting of the story, like the premise of the story. It kind of gave me uh, the Year of the Witching vibes. And so I picked it up. And I'm kind of, like, it started off really strong. But the ending, like, the twist that came. Like, one thing I saw through, you know, like, I kind of predicted what was coming. But that is not a problem for me, usually. But the other twist that happened, I mean, it's one of my least favorite like it's one of my most hated tropes in thrillers and uh, I think I'm going to talk about it in the spoiler section so this is a non-spoilery part I'll come to the spoilers in a while so it had that trope and it really ruined the book for me and so I gave it, you know, like it had its good moments, it had its bad moments. Uh So far, it was a three star. I mean, what really mattered in this case was that it kept me hooked. Like I wanted to turn the page, I wanted to read ahead, like I wanted to know what was going to happen. And I felt invested in the plot, like enough. That I wanted to know what was going to happen. I wasn't like, oh, I don't care enough about the characters or the plot or where all this is going. And what is the point of reading. And, uh... Okay, I'll take a break over here. Because my mom is here, I'll come back after the break. I'm back. So unwittingly today in my podcast we are going to have a structure what's the structure like my podcast hasn't seen a structure since like the first week or two i think like when i first started i used to make it really structured like intro the middle part the end And it had all these, you know, nice music in between the parts and all that stuff. And today, unwittingly, like, I never even planned for it. The thing is, I was recording, my room was locked, and my mom needed something from my room. So I had to stop recording to, you know, like, let my mom in. And just because the recording was, I don't plan to... The thing is, I'm very bad with technology and all that stuff. So even if I wanted to join the two recordings, it would sound very off. So I'm like, okay, I'll keep it as three separate segments. Why three? Because I want to, I am keeping it as the first part as kind of like the intro to the book. The second part will be the spoiler free discussion of the book. And the last part will be the spoiler filled discussion of the book. So today you're going to see some sort of order in this world of chaos that is my podcast. So let's get on with it. Uh, The plot of the book. So what's written uh, on the back of the book is that, you know, there are three timelines. Uh, Some 300 years ago, people were burnt at the pyre because they were protestants. Uh, I don't really know that part of the history so I won't be able to comment on it that much. Uh, It was kind of like the witch burnings but instead of you know like Christians versus pagans it was kind of like different schools of Christianity like Catholics versus Protestants and all that stuff. Uh, So in this town... This uh, burning of the martyrs, the it's considered to be this really uh, big religious thing. Like, it's considered part of their culture and whatnot. And people make these small twig effigies called the burning girls. And they burn them during the day of, the, of this thing, <laughs> this holiday. And so that is what happened 300 years ago now 30 years ago 2 teenage girls they went missing uh, Mary and Joy and what happened no one knows the police at that time thought that they were runaways and they didn't suspect any foul play and all that and the girls were never found 2 months ago what happened the vicar he committed suicide like he was uh, the vicar there for 3 years and he just committed suicide out of nowhere and now this new vicar along with her daughter they have come in they have no idea about what has happened about the history of this place and slowly but surely things start to get creepy And they start seeing things and things turn up at the place and they start, you know, intermingling with the locals and the locals are weird and all that jazz. So, from what I read at the back of the book, I was like, okay, this is impressive. And especially the part about the, you know, the burning effigies and all that. So, I was thinking somehow that, Uh, you know 300 year old past that would somehow play a huge role in the present day of the like the present day plot and I was kind of I don't know if it comes under spoiler or not but I felt that it could have executed a lot more better like a lot better than what how it was handled in this book uh so, in this book, it was kind of glossed over like everywhere she, the so how it was portrayed was that the vicar didn't really know about this uh thing that happened. she had just googled it and uh, got to know about this uh you know like ritual that i mean not ritual this uh historical event that took place. And wherever she went, people, they had the same thing to say. They didn't have anything new to add to it. And there was going to be some sort of an intrigue or a mystery to it. But that was, you know, not explored that much that well. And I felt that, you know, it had a potential there to be a little more sinister, like a little more, it would have brought a little more, intrigue and vibe to it but it didn't happen so I felt like that was a wasted potential a wasted opportunity like to bring in the past more to play out you know the characters uh characters from the past like if they had one character's uh POV from the past it would have been great secondly what I felt was that Uh, yeah it had too many characters and too many reveals were happening like in every chapter and all that at first it was feeling like to me it was feeling refreshing because after a long time I was reading a book that was not like immersed in lore and you know backstories and deep stuff like it just had you know uh, like Uh, cliffhanger after cliffhanger and you had to kind of read uh, to know, you know, like what happened, why why did the child die, whose child it was, are these two related or something and all these things. But after a while, it kind of got a a little boring, like some of the stuff you kind of uh, like uh, predicted and... uh, I mean, I don't mind if I predict stuff. I mind if that predictions, if, like, you just throw in twists for the sake of throwing in twists. Like, I don't mind, you know, like, having one or two twists that you kind of predict. But I really do mind when there are, like, twist after twist after twist, like, seven to eight twists in uh, a 20-page span and everything you kind of you know uh, guess oh she must have done this oh the knife is missing so only two people were present and she has not taken it so this person must have taken it and all that so it kind of you know became a little bit overdone after a point at first I was really liking it but then it got a little overdone and when the major twists came The first twist, I didn't see it coming. Like, I was so focused on this other twist that was going to happen. And I was kind of the red herring. Okay, I'm going to talk about the red herring real soon. And I was really, like, obsessed with the red herring so much that I didn't even focus on the inconsistencies in this uh, twist. Like, the inconsistencies that the author showed... That, you know, like, if I had paid attention, I would have really caught on to it. And I, it really came as a surprise. But, but, the problem with the twist was that it had this really, really bad trope that I really hate. And I find it really problematic, which I'm going to address in the spoilery section. And I feel like that ruined the book for me. Like if it didn't have that trope, if it had any other kind of a trope like anything else, I would have been okay with it because I was mostly focused on the second thing, the second twist that I had already guessed and I was really focusing on that, on how it's going to be carried out and all that but this thing it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth and I don't want to talk about it but I'll have to in the spoilery part the next twist I guessed like in the second or third chapter itself I was like okay this is going to be this and that's not usually a bad thing like I could see the author you know like dropping in clues and all that on how to like Which on a second read, you will be like, oh, okay. So that's why she was acting like that. That's why she did this. That's why she went into that room. And on my first read through, I was like, okay, she is doing this because of this. She is doing this because of this. And then I was thinking, am I really like, do I really know? Have I really predicted the twist or am I just overthinking it? So, <laughs> I mean, it was a fun ride and when the reveal happened, I liked the way it happened. But there were some things about it which I didn't really like, uh, which I'm going to elaborate more on the, in the spoilery section. And what else was I going to talk about? uh so the way the three uh timelines were three timelines two time uh, four timelines something like that so way all these timelines were you know kind of held together it felt natural like it felt like it didn't feel very like trite or you know contrived or anything like that It felt like, okay, like, this thing happened. Then all these things happened. And that's why they came here and stuff happened and all that. The timeline played out really well. That I liked. What else did I like? I liked that the author's writing has improved since Chalkman. Like, in Chalkman, I found it very I mean it felt like it was kind of ripping off it and stranger things uh, majorly like it, it most of its plot was uh like revolving around this group of kids and this one girl and uh like. I don't know. I found it really bad. I found it really amateurish and not really polished enough. Uh, But in this book, the writing was good. I liked it. But the only thing I would say is it's a little preachy, which you would expect from a book that is, you know, exploring uh, religion and religious beliefs and spirituality and all that stuff. And the, I mean, the <laughs> freaking main character is a vicar. So what do you expect? But I really found it funny that the vicar was playing, you know, like, I'm not like other vicars. I'm cool, I'm not fuddy, I'm not. <laughs> so fuddy is the word that is used in the book. I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not like other vicars who are this and that, who talk about religion all the time. I came into I was not uh, brought up as religious. I came into it because of hardships in my life and all that stuff. And I found that funny. Like, really, you can't write a vicar that is like a v- typical vicar and make us like that character on, on its own you have to make them, you know, stand out from other vickers, like, you have to make them normy enough, like, <laughs> you have to make them, uh, you know, like, appeal to atheists enough to make them seem like they're not like other vickers, and I'm not religious at all, like, I'm not, I'm an atheist, but the way it was shown, it I don't know, it it left a bad taste in my mouth. Like, she could have been like, you know, like, I'm just from a different background. I was not raised uh, uh, into this uh, religion. I came into this religion because of what I went through in life, where she's like, oh, you, like, she made other guys to say, oh, you don't seem like a vicar, you don't seem like this you don't seem like that stuff like that and that was weird like i was like why is this even relevant over here so (laughs) that was that i'll see you in the next section i'll just quickly have water and because i've been speaking for 15 minutes so yeah i'll see you in the next section This is the spoilery part. If you haven't read the book, please, you have to leave right now. Or if you just want to, you know, not read the book and... I mean, if you are intrigued enough to know what happens in the book, but you're not that intrigued or you're in a reading slump and you just don't want to read anymore and you want to still know what happens in the book, stick around. I'll give you a short summary. And then I'll discuss what I liked and disliked about the book. So here I go. The summary. So what happened is that, uh, the previous vicar, surprise, surprise, he didn't kill himself. He was killed by another guy and was, it was made to look like a suicide. And, I mean, it's, I mean, are the police that inept that, you know, like, they won't see? Anyway, the way they kind of uh, justified it was that he kind of threat uh the murderer kind of threatened the priest that, you know, I'm going to kill this girl if you don't kill yourself. And the moment he was, you know, like in in the news, uh they revealed that it was all a setup and then it happened. I mean it was it sounds really ridiculous but it happened. And the guy who killed him is Wrigley. So Wrigley is the so called disabled person. Okay. So this is the trope I was talking about, the trope where you find out that the disabled person is not disabled and they were faking all the time and they are the bad person, like they are the killer in this scenario and I really hate that, I really hate that you know like faking a disability it's not an easy task, there are specialists who can tell if you are faking a disability Like, it's not something that can be done. And if you show people in your book faking disabilities and all that, it gives, you know, people with disabilities a bad rap that, oh, if anyone can fake a disability, then what is the guarantee that this person next to me is not faking it? Like, I can, like, it gives people, you know, like free pass to insult or invalidate other people's journeys As disabled people because people think that you know it's very easy being a disabled person and people with disability they are just taking advantage of their situation or something like that so it really makes me angry and it's a very lazy way to do things like make someone disabled make them pretend that you know they can't see or they have something In this case, the guy had muscle spasms. So, it kind of made him out to be the bullied kid and all that. And the way you... Also, the fact that, you know, like... He was kind of... He showed that he was bullied. But actually, he was the bully. I hate that trope also. Like, I hate the fact that, you know... Because this, this is why people don't take bullet kit seriously. Like, they either think that they are faking it or they think that, you know, they are, like, just blowing it up. Like, it's no big deal and they're just making a mountain out of molehill kind of a situation out of it. So, I mean, I hate the way these things are Portrayed in media disability is portrayed in a way that you know oh anyone can act like this and you know people with special like specialist people doctors and stuff and whatnot. everyone will be fooled and everyone will think oh my god this poor child and no one will think that oh they are the mastermind and stuff like that it's, it's very in bad taste. I feel like that. And it kind of ruined the book for me. <laughs> That's what I want to say. So that is. And also. I mean. I wanted the book to focus mostly on the past. Than on the present. Okay. My voice volume might differ because you know like i'm moving around just a disclaimer uh so yeah uh i wanted the book to focus more on the past past as in the 300 years ago past and the book focused on it i mean the book did have a plot point regarding it but it was not that like it was not it didn't take up that much space and mostly this Wrigley thing it kind of started out as this you know oh people are bullying this kid and this girl is falling in love with the kid and so romantic but oh no he is the one who killed his mom who tricked the priest into killing himself and now he's going to kill all these people and all that. And also why it made me (laughs) angry that this kid, this thing got to be the focus of the story is because I thought that, okay, she got me, she got me. Here, I can't fault her, I have to fault myself. I thought that the final encounter was going to be with Jacob, the brother of uh, Jack, as in Mary. Uh... I thought that, you know, the final uh, thing, the final showdown would be between the crazy guy, Jacob, and these two people, uh, Jack and Flo. But that didn't happen. Jacob was in the book just for that, just as a red herring. And it worked. I mean, I would not say it didn't work. But after reading the book, you feel kind of cheated. As to why did this guy (laughs) feature in this book if he didn't have anything else to do? The only thing he does is pull out Jack from the fire and save his life save her life. Jack is the vicar who is actually a girl with a guy's name and it's really confusing. It was I was actually impressed by this thing, the plot twist in the beginning. Uh but then it kind of became gimmicky and I didn't like it anymore. Uh, so, yeah. And there was also no good reason for why it's, you know, Jack and why not... Like, the original name, like, Jack is short for something that's obvious. Or if it's Jack, then why Jack? Like, there should be... I mean, there should have been a story behind her name, which I felt was missing. Like, the, I felt like CJ Tudor named her Jack just because that initial, you know, like, switcheroo thing that, oh, you didn't. Uh, you expected someone taller, slimmer, better looking than me. And then uh, Flo will be like, Mum, come out. And you'll be like, Mum, who's Mum? Because you all the. While you were thinking that Jack is a guy. I mean. I felt like CJ Tudor Did this. Named her Jack. For this witcher only. And there was no other. (laughs) Hidden meaning behind it. And also maybe because you know. Being a vicar. It's a man's world. And no one will take you seriously. If your name is something feminine. And if it's. If your name is Jack. Then everyone is going to think. Oh okay. Like. A normal vicar, The one we usually see. Until you turn up and then they see that okay it's not a male wicker it's a female wicker. So maybe that's why she uses jack. But I mean it felt a bit gimmicky. Not gonna lie. <laughs> anyway I kind of forgot what I was talking about. Okay the red herring. So you read the book and then at the end you're left with this, you know, like empty feeling of why did we have the chapter POV from this guy? Like this guy, he (laughs) left a string of dead bodies in his wake. Like he was trying to find out where these two live, like where Jack and Snow live. He killed a priest, he killed two old people, he I think possibly stole something, bike or something like that uh, just to come to this place and he just saves Jack from the fire and just leaves. He wanted to talk to her, he wanted to be back in her life what made him leave did he think that you know his journey was over and uh, that his purpose was fulfilled and stuff like that we don't get anything like that from his perspective anymore so you are left thinking okay i was expecting that you know there will be a showdown between this guy and these two people that okay when Jack is away from the place. This guy will show up, and there will be altercation between Flo and this guy, and then Jack will show up, and then things will be revealed, and all that stuff. But no, that didn't happen. That doesn't happen. What happens is you get Wrigley, who stops jerking all around, uh, all over the place, and he is a bad guy. Like it's the same as the woman in the window with the. You know, the teenage boy is the <laughs> perpetrator and the old woman is the victim. But I like that one thing is that... uh, what, what, what should I call her? Mary or Jack? Jack, Jack. I should call her Jack. Jack, instead of saving the guy, instead of leaving him behind... If she just goes back and stabs him in the stomach. I I love that part. I, I was like, okay, you go. Like, yes, Jack. Do it. He deserves it. this like, I love that part that, you know, I am a priest. I am a uh, person of God. But above all, I'm a mother. And just killed him and because she has killed in the past and I like that you know like although she is a vicar she has a bit of what do you call it darkness in her like she is not this goody two shoes. like I know like it's also playing on the I'm not like other vicar's kind of (laughs) trope I never thought I was going to say I'm not like other Vickers too. So, anyway, that was what happened in the present day story, which I didn't like. The past story. I liked, I had, in the third chapter itself, I had kind of uh, predicted that, you know, Jack was going to be married and like either Mary or Joy Uh, and then the chapters kept coming and then I realized okay the dark haired girl is Mary and Jack is supposed to be dark haired Uh, so these two are the same person and the react her reactions like Jack's reactions to things and the way she was shielding flow from this uh, news, you know, like, that these two girls, they fled from here or disappeared from here. That kind of made me, like, a normal mom would be like, oh, you know, like, this terrible tragedy happened here and that's it. But the way she cut her finger to kind of distract her and all that, And the way she went into the room and took the photo and stuff like that. The way looking at the ring, the ring, Grady's ring, uh, it kind of made her, you know, like a PTSD flashback came back or something like that. So all that stuff, it was interesting to read about. Like you could see it unfolding in front of your eyes, but you were also thinking like, Is this really going to happen? Is this reveal really going to happen? Or am I just imagining stuff? And I was also thinking that maybe this lady... uh, What's her name? Not Sparrow. (laughs) Some weird kind of a name. The author lady. I was thinking that maybe. Maybe that was Joy. Like for some reason Joy ran away separately with Grady. Had a kid and then killed Grady or something like that uh, and then you know like we'll find out that actually Wrigley's mom is uh, joy and they'll joy uh, joy and Mary will be reunited and stuff like that but no uh the mom was a different person and Yeah, Wrigley had killed her uh, (laughs) because she had found out that Wrigley's, uh, this thing, dystonia was, he was faking it, basically. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, So, this is, Wrigley's thing is kind of like Munchausen but on crack. Like, you get Munchausen, you just want people to think that you are ill. But he is like, okay, no, I'll kill people to, you know, like, protect my secret and all that stuff. So, yeah. Okay, this thing. I liked the way it was done. But I didn't like how the reveal at the end was handled. I wanted Flo to know about, you know, her mom. I wanted, uh like... Mary to tell Flo about you know certain things about Joy or about the life she had about Jacob about all that and the torture scene the uh exorcism scene I was not sure if he was just torturing her or he was also like sexually assaulting her so I don't know what to say about it. And also Clara, The, I mean, making her the villain that she is the one who called her, uh, you know, like who caused her appointment in this city, in this town and who left all these haunting things like the exorcism kit and the twig dolls and whatnot in front of her door and all that. That didn't make any sense. Like why would someone. Like okay I understand. You were young once. You were not very attractive. But you had a crush on this priest. And you felt angry enough to kill someone. And you felt that you know this guy died because of this other girl. And you harbored rage against that girl. But. I mean, you were 20-something at that time. You have grown up. You must have matured. Why would you still harbor that kind of feeling? And the guy was 20-something and he was assaulting a minor. And she's like, no, I saw her seduce him and all that bullshit. So, I mean yeah i know there are some people like this but she was kind of made out to be this you know depthless caricature of a character like one of those what do you call it pick me girls or something and the priest was also the bad guy was also like so that we don't feel any you know like sympathy for that guy and we don't feel that you know what jacob and Mary did was bad or something like that so that we don't condemn them he was shown to be this he was not even shown like we just get one scene with him he is not even present in the story and in this one scene he is like this one-dimensional bad character like bad guy and all that so I don't think the bad guys in this book were that well done like they were that dimensional, or they were that intriguing, or they were that, that well thought out, and all that stuff. What I wanted more to be in the story was the story of the burning girls, uh, Abigail and Mary. I think I wanted there to be more about the little girl Poppy because that was really chilling, you know, like the scene. The visual of a 10-year-old girl in a white dress but covered in blood all over, pig's blood all over, like, that is horrifying. And I wanted more of that. I wanted more creepy children. I wanted more creepy girls. I wanted more creepy stuff happening instead of all these, okay, no, he was sleeping with her, she was... uh, Jealous about this thing and all that stuff. Like, I wanted more to be... You know, I wanted the story of the martyrs to take more of a center stage. I wanted it to be more like the year of the witching. I wanted, uh, you know, like... Somehow the... Okay, I wanted it to be like this. That... Somehow the uh, bodies that were burnt, the remains were uh, buried under the church or something. Although from what I've heard is that only the wealthy people get buried under the the church. But it can be like, you know, someone saved the remains and uh, only after things were okay and like normal that the remains were you know buried as a memorial or something and that thing was kind of haunting the church and everyone because everyone went to the church it was kind of haunting them too and it made the little girls go crazy and do crazy stuff and (laughs) I was kind of imagining that Okay, this is really horrible. So, Poppy's friend, uh, Tara, she had uh, come over to her place. But she died because of an accident. And I was imagining that probably it, was, it had something to do with Poppy. Like, Poppy did something. And that's why, uh, you know, like, she died or, so- or something. And also, the pig's blood thing maybe... Uh, she was the one who killed a pig or something like that or I I don't know like maybe Poppy was unhinged in some kind of a way and she was creepy basically children are creepy and I like creepy children in my books and uh, yeah but that's not that was not the case that didn't happen at all what happened was that you find out that the Harpers who were all about, you know, our ancestors were martyrs and all that. So their ancestors were not martyrs, which is like the moment you read that, you know, their ancestors were martyrs, you know that it's not, it's fake. It's gonna be a plot point of some kind. So it was, it turns out to be a plot point of some kind. The ancestors' uh, crypts were found beneath the church, which they tried to cover up, but it didn't happen because the body of Grady was found there. Grady was the creepy uh, priest, good-looking priest who was preying on young girls. So yeah, so that was the plot one. That was how the past played out in the present and the only thing that happened was that you know these people were seeing visions of burning girls of abigail and oh god what is the name of the other girl martha something like that uh these two girls because they had bad things coming in the way on like bad things were going to happen to them and that's why they were having these visions. So these are my spoilers, spoiler filled thoughts. I have been speaking for maybe an hour or so, I have lost track of time, oh my god, and I just have one thing to say. Like, although I had so many, you know, negative things to talk about the book, this is by far... I mean, this is not a bad book. It is good for a thriller. Like, you know, you will read it while you are reading it. You will enjoy it. You will want to find more. You will be hooked to it, like, from the start. And... Then, at the end of it, you'll be like, okay, that was a good read, now I'll move on to the next one. And you'll forget about it, and then you'll read the next book and be obsessed with that. So, for a thriller, it is not a bad book. But if you want something that will be, like, you will be, you will want to remember it for a long time, that will make an impact Like, that will make a mark on you. This is not that kind of a book. Like, this is a good time book. Like, you'll uh, listen to it on Audible or whatever or read it for in a day. Like, when you're on vacation or something. But this is not something that will keep you thinking for days or, you know, weeks. It is not something that is layered and it is not something that will make you question everything, if you get what I am hinting at. Okay, so uh, this was my review of The Burning Girls by CJ Tudor. I give the book 3 stars out of 5 and yeah that's it we'll see you in the next one bye